0: Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from people in our community. These successful neighbors of ours will share their real-life philosophies and solutions for success to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. She and her husband are the owners and founders of Dapper Inc and The Landmark Project. Both companies were born right here in South Carolina, but they made an impact across the globe. They are crushing it on Instagram with over 50,000 followers. My wife actually has the pleasure of working very closely with our guest and tells me that she's one of the most positive and generous individuals she's ever met. So I am excited to know her better and share her stories with our audience. Please welcome to the show, my new friend, Jennifer Moreau. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Chelsea should not say such nice things. Uh, (laughs) I I think the world of her.
0: And my apologies. So we'll start calling you Jen from this point forward. I, I try to be very formal with your true name. So if somebody tries to look you up online, they can look for Jennifer Moreau, but you prefer Jen, right?
1: I do. I do prefer Jen.
0: Jen, your story is very interesting. You and your husband founded Dapper. It's 15. You guys are 15 years now, right?
1: That is correct. Yeah, we're celebrating our 15th anniversary in just a couple weeks.
0: What was it like starting a company with your spouse? Tell me about that.
1: Well, I, I do have to set the record straight just a little bit. Uh, I was Dapper Inc.'s first employee. Matt founded Dapper Inc. out of the loft in our house 15 years ago. He has an art background And a lot of amazing technical skills that allowed him to create a company that combined a a creative hobby with a a need. People need t-shirts and need printed goods and things like that. So he started it and very shortly after I was in between jobs... Looking for something to fill my time and started doing customer service and finances of all things. Uh, I will never, ever tell Chelsea all the mistakes that I made. (laughs) (laughs) Jumped in and we've made it work. So to actually answer your question, what's it been like founding a company with my spouse? We love it. It's not a great fit for everybody and no shame if that's not a good fit for um, couples or even best friends or family members. But for us, it's been something that actually has been a delight because we enjoy working on it together.
0: I mean, it's tough enough probably if you just worked at the same job with your spouse, but starting up in uh, your own company, can you speak to some of the added challenges that come with working with your spouse with a, with a startup?
1: Uh, well, there's a lot of late night conversations that get very uncomfortable and then you look at each other and go, why do we always start the hard conversation after 11 p.m.? Uh, there's been plenty of that over the years. You know, I, so something that I think is probably going to be a a theme of our discussion is you need to surround yourself with really good people. And so the two of us, yes, we founded this together. We worked together very closely, um, but from very early on, we started getting people who could weigh in on the decisions we were making. um, And also just help care and love us as, as fam, like, since we are family and understanding that you know, this family needs to stay intact. So I think that just having really good people um, is a huge part of, of being able to have a successful relationship and a successful work environment.
0: Gotcha. So surrounding yourself with a good support system that can not only give you that encouragement, but also give you guidance and sometimes help you with the blind spots that you may see. Absolutely. What made you guys choose to take the non-traditional path?
1: Well, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people um, who are of our generation for lack of a better word. I mean, we all kind of became professionals um, during the last recession and the traditional job structure just really wasn't open to us the way that it had been for, you know, people um, a few, even just a few years ahead of us. So um, there was a big push, especially in a creative community like Greenville to start your own business, to start your own side hustle, or, um, you know, maybe you are still working a traditional job, but then you're spending your nights and weekends doing something that you care a lot more about. A lot of buzzwords from that time. And it was a very supportive system for us. So it wasn't necessarily something we sought out to do, but it was something that was very supportive of us. um, And we found that Greenfield was just a really good place to take a chance um, and try to keep growing a business.
0: So you kind of just fell into it.
1: Uh, that's short answer. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It seems like some of the the greatest opportunities and the greatest things that happen in life sometimes seem to happen by accident. Isn't that, Isn't that right?
1: I w- I would agree with that, and I think that what's more important is the why you're doing it as opposed to what it is you're doing. You know, a lot of people talk about um, trying to bring their passions into their work, especially if they're entrepreneurs or sole proprietors anybody who's kind of managing their own time and their own own work that way. Um, But I found pretty early on that I I don't think it would matter if we were doing screen printing, just selling some other sort of widget. I think the the reason, like the company culture that you create around it, the opportunities and the connections you're able to make with people, to me, that's been much more rewarding than being able to grow a screen print business.
0: Yeah, I think I heard Scott Adams once uh, in one of his books talk about don't necessarily follow your passions because they can be all over the place and be fleeting, mm-hmm. but instead decide to bring your passion with you everywhere you go. Is yeah. that what you're saying there, Jim? I,
1: I would resonate with that.
0: Starting your own company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you're the first employee. Your husband is is at the helm. There's obviously challenges there. How do you push through the worst times?
1: Oh, uh, I, like I said, I think. The theme of having good people with you is is going to be a, a key answer over and over again. Um, sure, talking talk into that. Yeah, so I would say one of the very first things that when we when we knew once we knew that this was going to be a company that we were going to have for the long haul. I mean, we were so young when we started this um, in our early 20s. You're and- still
0: young, Jim. Get out of here.
1: <laughs> we're in our thank you. Um, we were in our early 20s when we started the company, and for the first few years, you're just winging it, and you still have so much energy, and um, you're just taking every opportunity. But then once you start thinking, like, oh, this could actually be a career. Like this could be the thing that we do long term you start taking it very seriously. And one of the things that we knew we had to do early on was to start hiring for our weaknesses or to at least bring in people to advise on those weaknesses. And that certainly doesn't mean that the hard times are just somehow like, oh, well, there aren't hard times because you have good people, but you have people when when you have the right people in place, it does make it so much easier to get the right kind of advice to ask for help. Sometimes you're just straight up asking for help, whether that is advising on something in some cases, um, needing real serious advice on financial things. Um, so I would, I would say, you you know, after you go through it a few times and you know who the best allies are, you want to keep them real close to get through the, the next round of hard times. Cause there's always going to be a hard time.
0: Yeah. It's funny how some people think that you'll get to a point in life where you've arrived, but I think life is defined by our struggles, you know? So you, once you can, once you can learn to just enjoy the journey and realize, you know what, there's not going to be a day when I'm not going to have struggle, but right. every day the struggle can, I can love the struggle.
1: Yeah. It's and the, I can doing the hard better.
0: Yeah. And, and doing the hard better. Wow. I love that Jen. Okay. That's going to be the title of me. your episode.
1: <laughs> not original <laughs> to me, but very inspirational.
0: Okay. I also like how you talked about hiring for your weaknesses, because some people want to hire people that are just like them, whether it be personality or skill sets or whatever. And they want to bring people on the team that, hey, you know what? You match me. So it's easy to create culture around people that are just me. It can become tricky once you hire people and bring people in or advisors or whatever that are different than you, but they fill another role, right? They're not the brain, but they're the foot or they're the hand or they're another part of the body. How has it been like working with different personality styles? How do you pull all that together and still make everything still move forward?
1: Well, you still need a, a North star. You still need something that everybody can align around. And for us, about five, six years ago, we tried to bring everybody together because we were experiencing exactly what you what you just mentioned, um, a lot of personalities, a lot of backgrounds and experiences, and we needed to align everybody around core values So this was the first time that we put into place, like, what is this company about? Like, what are the things that no matter what the work that we're doing, we can all align to these things and having our values written out. And honestly, we use them in the hiring process. We use them in the orientation process. um, We use them to hopefully if we're doing our jobs right, we're using those core values to even evaluate what kind of project should we take on? Is this a good fit? for the direction that we're heading. And so you can you can balance a lot of personalities if you have those non-negotiables of we all can align with the the values who are the the values that are going to like unite our company and drive us forward.
0: Jim Collins talks about in good to great having different people in the bus and putting them in the right seat, but at least the bus is all heading in the same direction. Right. Right? It's different if you've got five people on the bus and they're all no no, I'm going this way. No, I want to go this way. No, I want to no, go this way. Now It's also interesting that you said this happened five years ago. You'd been around for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So people that are thinking of starting their own company, some people overthink and overanalyze and think, I need to have my core values and my mission statement and my purpose. And instead of just, you know what, let's just go, let's get direction and start going. And you can't steer a parked car, right? Correct. So sometimes you just have to move and you'll figure things out as you go.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then sometimes the joke around here is like when we're trying to change something really big, it's like trying to change the engine in the car while the car's on the freeway to, to keep the metaphor going. But it's very true. Like just got to go sometimes. And if you have if you have a, a, a balance of people who are invested in you, invested in this company, invested in the values, then you're going to have a really good support structure when it's like, now is the time to go or now it's the time to slow down.
0: Right. And almost eight years ago, speaking of that time to go, time to make a change, you guys spun off another company, the Landmark Project. And and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to give my perspective on this. It almost seems like it, it was one of those happenstance things that it just kind of happened. Can you share the story of how that came about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So part of custom screen print design, the first part is custom, which means you are always doing client work we love our clients. We're incredibly grateful for them. And we have had developed, we've had the chance to develop amazing partnerships with clients over the years. But when you are somebody who is very creative, like my husband, Matt, sometimes always doing custom work for other people can be draining. And so really as a a way to kind of burn off a little bit of pent up creative energy, Matt decided to uh, launch a series of designs for local state parks. Both of us and many people on our team through over the years have been big outdoor enthusiasts. So lots of hiking and biking and backpacking and paddling. Those are just all hobbies that many of us have shared. And so um, he had been talking about it for months. And then finally I was just like, I I think you just need to design these. Like You just need to get them out of your head. need to get them on paper. We are very connected to the art scene here in Greenville. And so we had a couple opportunities just to get them in front of people. And really the thought was, we just need to have a little bit of a creative outlet, put really good work on shirts to kind of to show off even just what Dapper Inc. can do, being talented right. designers, and got them out in front of people. And turns out, funny enough, people love parks as much as we do. It, just a very welcoming reception from the public. And so the first three parks that we ever designed, local here to the Greenville area, Table Rock, Lake Jocasse and Jones Gap, And everybody had a story to go about, to go with their time in a park. You know, people would see these designs and come up and be like, I love this park. This is where we got engaged. I love this park. This is where I always went with my dad, things like that. And uh, we found there was this very easy to rally around thing, just the love of the outdoors. And so saw some success there and thought, what if we were to do Great Smoky Mountains National Park? What if we were to do the Blue Ridge Parkway? And from there, it really just kind of started gaining traction. We had wholesalers come up and say we'd love to carry your products. We had s- sales reps get involved as well, uh, and just people were so supportive and found. And we just kind of found our niche: the, this group of people who love the outdoors, love travel, love good design. Kind of spun off from there. We did get lucky. I think that's a huge part of business as well. Sometimes it's just being lucky um, right. and and, take, and taking good smart chances where you can as well. But in 2016, a couple of years after we launched and we're growing the connection, it was the centennial year for the National Park Service. And so huge buzz and huge attention around national parks. And so we said, let's do it. Let's launch a national parks collection. Let's start taking it to national trade shows. Got picked up by REI in those early days of the trade shows and kind of rest is history from there.
0: So it kind of felt like you almost, there's a level of excitement, but then there's also this level of chaos Oh, yeah. As things are taking so off, much. right? <laughs> so much chaos, of course. But chaos can be exciting too, right? It can absolutely, yeah. That is so awesome to hear that. That's uh, that's kind of because parks, like like you said, there's so many memories about them. Like I remember when I was there with my dad, and we went fishing at Table Rock, or we were doing the paddle boats, or you know things like that. You have these memories, and if you can capture those memories put them on a t-shirt or a hat or something like that. And you're like, you know what? I feel that like I connect with this shirt. It's mm-hmm. not just another logo that I'm wearing.
1: Okay. And it kind of helps you find your people.
0: Right. Right. So you mentioned earlier about core values five years ago and kind of lining lining these companies up, both, both of them, I assume, with these core values. What are those core values? Can you speak to those, Jen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the three values, and there's lots of descriptions that go underneath them, um, but the the primary values would be, first, we value one another. This is the way that we treat each other, the people who work here, the manner that we do our work towards each other. We value each other just as much as the work we're doing. The second value would be we model skill and motivation. We want to be the best at what we do. So whether that's in the communication, the physical product that we make, uh, we just really want to have a to to be known as people who are very skilled at the work we do. Uh, and then the third value we pursue an excellent company reputation. Obviously, there's implications there for customer service and uh, the image that we carry and the the just the quality of the work we do. But it's also helped guide us into what kind of community value add do we have as a company? Greenville's an amazing place to live and work. And uh, having the size company that we do, we actually are able to make an impact. So whether that's uh, finding good charitable partners, um, which we've been able to do, uh, that is just as much a part of our company culture as the way we treat each other and the way that we treat our work.
0: And this is what our listeners absolutely love is hearing the real, the authentic behind these companies, the values. Uh, I I read a study recently that talked about generation z doesn't just want to buy from a a a big name they want to hear the owner what does the owner do what do they like what are they about what are they genuine are they authentic Uh, the people that work there so hearing these values is super awesome for them and the fact that you guys i'm native to greenville i love greenville i've traveled all over and i'll tell you what i can never call another place home than greenville but it's great that you guys are here supporting that supporting the 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 growth of Greenville the changes the ad- adaptations uh, and hey I really appreciate that Jen
1: oh thanks well I mean that's, you,
0: that's the goal for sure are you are you native to Greenville too
1: no uh, but I've lived here long enough to where I I consider Greenville home I've lived here longer than anywhere
0: else gotcha gotcha you guys so to to shift here real quick you guys are absolutely crushing it on Instagram Oh, well, thank you. Uh, how is- how have you done that? Like what, do you have any secrets or is it just a, a luck thing again there too? What, I feel like that there's at least some kind of tips and tricks. If some, let's say that another listener is wanting to know, how can I gain Instagram followers like you guys have? What, what did you guys do?
1: Sure. Uh, well, disclaimer, I am not on the marketing team. And so I'm not going to pretend to be an ex- expert in social media marketing. It, it, so when we first started our Instagram account, you know, it was the early days of social media. So getting a jump on that, um, and building real organic traffic was, uh, pretty important early on. But uh, honestly, I think what we've just been able to find success is working with just how these systems work. You know, you don't have a whole lot of control over the content that people see. So if you can just really be, doing your research. Um, and there's a lot of, of information out there on this. Again, I'm, I'm right. not going to be a social media marketing expert by any means, but I, you know, it's, it does take a lot of research and a lot of consistency. I think, I think consistency is a, is a big thing as well.
0: I think it's like that on any social platform, whether it be TikTok or link, you know, LinkedIn is one of the big ones that I use. Right. I, I've heard from other LinkedIn gurus that say, it doesn't matter. You can have the best post in the world, but if you're not consistent, if you only post once every three months, it's not going to matter.
1: Yeah. So I would I would say that that is that is a a, a big thing for us. But you also can do um, a lot of research about other programs or other networks that could potentially help help boost your content, if nothing else. I mean, we work now for the Landmark Project with um, a whole network of creatives across the country to create content that we can then feature. And so it actually helps amplify the work because there's no way on earth that we'd be able, as dreamy as it sounds, there'd be no way on earth that we could just travel the country and take cool pictures of people wearing our products. Um, you right. Know, for that job, I guess. But yeah. So it <laughs> yeah. takes a
0: team. It takes it takes a team of people. Does,
1: for sure. That's awesome,
0: Jen. Uh, so let's shift one more time now. And I'd love to talk more about Jen Moreau. How do you define success?
1: I know that success for people can be, it's such a personal thing. And for me, I think it's as simple as completing something that you set out to do. And I like that very simple and broad explanation because it helps me focus on the really small wins, like maybe just getting through my checklist today. And that feels really good to have that kind of success. Or maybe that is the same kind of you know, really big, successful feeling after completing a three-month project and getting a, a new program launched or something like that. Um, so I think that being able to accomplish what you set out to do, being really small, being really big, and just being aware of that process as, as well to know what works, what doesn't work. And um, I think that helps you replicate success. It, it makes you want to chase that feeling for sure.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned checklists. There are, I think that there's, again, a lot of different personalities out there, but there are, there is a personality that you've got to have checklists Mm -hmm. and you get endorphins from checking things off the list, whether it be, Hey, I need to put on there to take a shower and to eat lunch. At least I can get some wins under (laughs) my belt here. (laughs) You know, I may not knock everything off my list, but I'm going to knock off at least three or four or five of these things. Yeah. Uh, So that's really cool. How do you set your goals? Are they do you do daily? Do you do weekly? Do you do monthly? Or do you do all of the above?
1: It's combination all of the above. And I'm not going to take credit for the way that I set goals and I'm able to knock them off. I'm going to give full credit to um, a business method that we started adopting about the same time that we started formalizing words like core values. There is a business system called the Entrepreneurial Operating System uh, or EOS. They have published a lot of books. The very first book that we read was Traction. and the traction model is one that is all-encompassing and kind of helps you shape and sculpt the way that you run your business but one of the one of the suggestions or one of the one of the programs that they put in place is a very specific way of doing goal setting um, which i personally really like and has helped me accomplish a lot of things um, so basically what you want to do is set your biggest goals um way way out into the future And work backwards. So this would be everything from like, where do we want to be in 10 years? You don't really know where you're going to be in 10 years, but you kind of have this vague idea of like, well, if we kind of keep going this way, throw in some nice dreamy ideas, where do we want to be in 10 years? Where do you want to be in three years? And three years from now, that's a little bit more concrete. You can kind of imagine what your future would be like in three years. Okay, well, where do we want to be in a year? And then where do we want to be every quarter in order to reach that one-year goal? Because those one-year goals are very, very concrete. And if you're in a business that is product-based, that one-year goal could be anything from we want to launch a new program that features these kind of products. It could be, we need to launch 12 new designs. It could be, we need to replace a piece of equipment um, or adopt a new technology, something that, you know, it's going to take a long time, give yourself a full year to do it. And then honestly, you have quarterly and sometimes even weekly checkpoints to get it done. So I love that method of business goal setting. I also find myself using it in some cases in my personal life as well when you're an entrepreneur, I don't know if there's a whole lot of separation between your professional self and your personal self. So if you learn something good in one area, it's really easy to shuffle it over to another.
0: Right. I totally agree. That's all the wisdom you learn for your professional life. You're putting into your practice in your personal life. Yeah. Uh, I think that I I heard Terry Savelle always say that, you know, if you're when you're good at one thing it helps you be good at other things too like if you' focus I, I can't remember if it was her or someone else that said just even wake up in the morning and make your bed because when you when you can become consistent in that you can become consistent in everything you know yeah. so Jen what is your personal secret to success have we already kind of tapped on it or do you feel like you're you've been hiding something from us
1: oh that's a I, well, I, I certainly don't mean to hide uh, nothing proprietary here I don't think. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, you know, like I keep saying, surround yourself with good people. I, I do think that that is huge consistency. You know, if you're finding, if you find that you are, you have an aptitude for something, keep pushing at that. If you find that you really enjoy something and you want to do more of that, keep pushing on that. And I think that you just learn a lot about yourself. And I think you learn a lot about uh, whatever industry you're in, sometimes just by like continuing to try something um, if it interests you. And then also just kind of knowing the wisdom when to, when to quit, when to walk away, figuring out what you're not good at as well, I think is, is a big part of that. I had a lot of insecurities when we first started our business because I am not naturally creative. I think I have a very good eye for aesthetics. I think I have a very good eye for product development. What's going to sell well, but I physically cannot make it. That is not a skill set that I possess. And in the early days of our business, I wasted a lot of time trying to acquire that skill set. I guess I don't really regret it because I had to go through that process to learn that this is not a skill set that I should be chasing. I should be chasing something that I just am more naturally inclined to do. But it, that took a while for me to just want to hold on to something. And rather than focusing on the stuff that I think I'm actually pretty good at.
0: How do you identify when those when is it time to quit? Cause you hear all these motivational, inspirational speakers talking about don't ever quit. You shouldn't quit. You should throw the word quit out of your vocabulary. Is there, is it ever wise to to look at it and say, you know what? This is not worth pursuing this anymore. I need to figure out how to shift and go on to something else. How how do you identify that, Jen?
1: Ah, uh, one, if you're miserable, yes, walk away. Like don't be miserable doing that. at least, don't be constantly miserable. Um, yeah i I think I, I'm a fairly introspective person that comes naturally to me, so i don't I don't want to just make it sound like, oh, this is so easy. But uh, introspection is pretty easy for me. So I have a lot of internal monologues that kind of help, you know, guide my gut for lack of a better word. I think I think anybody who is a small business owner actually has a pretty strong gut. And if they learn to listen to it, sometimes learn to talk back to it, I think you're really going to learn a lot of valuable lessons. But sometimes you have to stop, listen, evaluate, even before taking your thoughts to somebody that you trust and that you love. Sometimes you kind of have to work it out inside you first. And I, 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 do, I love the work that I do. I really enjoy my team. Uh, I love working with my husband. But I don't know if if all of a sudden it just became an uphill battle all the time. I just don't think it's healthy to stay in that place. Mm. I think you need to, I just. I think that you need to be flexible enough and willing to reroute and just do something different. And, and, and that not- sounds so like extreme. Sure, maybe that maybe that's an extreme thing with the business, but maybe sometimes that's just like I shouldn't be overseeing this responsibility. I'm not good at this, and I'm holding people back because my pride is in the way and saying, I really should be a creative. I really should be able to know how to work the creative programs. And I shouldn't, that's, that's not what I should be doing.
0: Right. I think the, the downside to all of that is that sometimes we have blind spots in our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And we may think that we're great at something and we're just looking at all the exterior things. Well, it's the market, it's this, that, or the other. But, but really it's, well, you're just probably not good at that. You're not meant to do that.
1: You know, when I come up against a challenge, I really before I blame it on something else or somebody else actually take the time to stop and ask, like, maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one who smells. Um, Yeah. Maybe the system that I've built is inadequate. And so even when holding staff members accountable, over the years, I've had to ask so many times, well, maybe my expectation for them is unreasonable. Maybe my communication wasn't clear. And then if you go through that process over and over again, you it becomes at, at one point in time, it'll just click. And you're like, actually, no, it's not my system. My system isn't the problem here anymore. No, it's not my communication. I was very clear. It just takes time and practice and a lot of evaluation, a lot of self-evaluation.
0: Yeah. And I think that the mentality you just mentioned there, Jen, is another key to I believe is a key to success is taking personal ownership, personal responsibility, oh, yes. going into everything, automatically assuming it's not the other person. What? Because the truth is we can't change other people. I have no, I cannot change Jen. I can't change my wife. I can't change the market. The only thing I can change is my actions and my attitude. So if I if I think that, well, it's Jen's fault, it's Chelsea's fault, it's whatever's fault, then now I'm a victim, right? Right. Whereas I can empower myself if I say, you know what, there's something in me and I need to change. I need to make the difference. I'm the one who stinks. I need to take a shower, whatever it is. Right. So let me ask you this then. What do you believe keeps most people from realizing their potential?
1: Oh, I think I may have actually kind of already inadvertently answered that. I I think people spend a lot of time. Maybe just too much time. I think you do need to try a lot of things in order to see what you're good at. But I do think that sometimes people have unrealistic expectations that they put on themselves, or maybe they hold themselves to too high of a standard, or they get impatient too quickly that something isn't isn't getting better. And so, I've, you know, just to go back to that that comment I made earlier about I'm not a designer. Like I don't actually have the um, innate skills to do this, and once I was just kind of able to shed that and be honest about like, you know what I actually am good at? I'm good at relationships. I'm good at systems. I'm good at processes and organizations. And I'm, I'm not embarrassed about that anymore. You know, (laughs) but those are
0: great things to be good at. (laughs) You need someone on your team that can be good at those things.
1: And let the people who are creative, who let the people who are uh, more empathetic, like just let them shine, let them do their thing. And, Talk about how you can work together and talk about how you can build those bridges um for with skill sets that are different than your own.
0: So if you could make any this is a, a very weird shift, right? <laughs> if you can make any change in the world, Jim, to make the world a better place, what it would it be?
1: Okay, I mean truly off topic. We're not just talking business.
0: Anything.
1: Oh man. Um well spending so much time outside, spending so much time. In places that are just have great natural beauty, I am very compelled to protect them. I'm very compelled to make sure that other people can enjoy them. Um, so I'm I'm very environmentally conscious. So if there's just one thing, I'd be like, can we get rid of single-use plastic, please? Like, can that be something that we just finally get rid of? There's yeah. a lot of ways to get around this. So that is... A really big ask, but it's also something that, like, we in our personal lives and in our company are trying to just live and identify with that value. So, yeah. our a lot of our products are significantly reduced in their plastic usage, and so yeah. Super off topic, I guess. There, uh, no, but- I think
0: that it's it's really cool because I feel like that that's coming more and more to light. Jen, I even recently just watched a documentary the other day, and maybe a YouTube or something like that, but talking about how how plastics even came around you know before pre-world war one and pre-world war two we didn't really have much plastic we everything was in metal containers or glass containers or all these things like that and then uh i i can't remember exactly how it came to be but all of this then there's like conspiracy behind it like they put the little symbol on there for plastic that makes it look like it everything's recyclable um but you're right you know what if we could figure out a way to pass on something great to the next generation, protect this world. It's worth saving, right? Okay. Another, another shift. What do you do for fun, Jen?
1: I mean, I, in addition to being an outdoor enthusiast and just, I'm so, so grateful that I get to spend so much time doing that. I'm actually a pretty good cook. I love tackling new recipes. I love entertaining. So that would be something I spend a decent amount of time doing as well.
0: Okay. What's your favorite meal to cook?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I feel like maybe a more, like I feel really accomplished. Uh, if I can, if I can nail some sort of uh, like hard preparation, like a, like a really good braise or something like that. So I, I just, I enjoy experimenting and enjoy just being able to to try out, try out new preparations for things. So you don't, <laughs> you
0: don't mind burning the dishes then?
1: Every once in a while it happens. I'm multitasking, <laughs> distracted, it happens
0: which one which one's your favorite to eat
1: uh you know what homemade pizza I I think probably that's probably yeah like homemade dough rip-roaring hot oven um it's it's good stuff
0: ditto that Jen I love making homemade pizza probably my favorite thing to eat a good chicken barbecue pizza or something what's you got it you got a certain type of pizza you love
1: uh you know a lot of roasted veggies on a pizza Mm -hmm.
0: gotcha Did you ever watch the show Parks and Recreation?
1: Oh, I love Parks and Rec. Sure.
0: Yeah. I'm probably more like a Nick Offerman in that show uh, where I don't eat a lot of veggies because I'm not a rabbit.
1: (laughs) That (laughs) my (laughs) food eats.
0: Right, right. So, uh, hey, here we are at the end. Could you give us a quick one minute promo for both your companies? Kind of tell us what they do. Obviously, we've talked a lot about them in the beginning. But just kind of a quick, hey, here's what Dapper does. Here's what uh, the Landmark Project does. And here's how our listeners would even find us and use our, they could use our services.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The center of our universe is print and design, screen print and design. So Dapper Inc. is a custom screen print company where we help our clients take their design work, turn it into a physical product, usually apparel. So um, great market for us other small businesses, corporate entities, youth groups, churches, things like that. Those are the services provided by Dapper Inc. The Landmark Project, still same universe, print and design. Uh, We create original artwork for our beloved public lands, be they national parks, wilderness areas. And then we uh, uh, apply that artwork to a variety of mediums, again, primarily being graphic tees. But we also uh, have posters and accessories and other lifestyle goods for all the outdoor enthusiasts out there.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And they can find you. I know dapper ink.com and that's D a P P E R Inc is I N K. Correct. Right. Dapper ink.com and the landmark project.com or find you guys on Instagram. Correct. Uh, not, you guys are not hard to find. You just type, type in Google searches and you're out there. I see you guys are actually hiring right now with dapper. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that is correct. Um, our operations department, which is our largest department, and the people who are cranking on a daily basis. Um, So if anyone has uh, screen prints or warehousing uh, backgrounds, give us a call.
0: So do you prefer somebody who has a background in that or would you take somebody who has kind of no knowledge and be able to teach them? Is it one or the other?
1: I would not say one or the other. No, um, there are plenty of people who have an aptitude for learning new skills and uh, so if somebody is a, a, a dedicated worker, doesn't mind learning something new, um, the learning curve for something like running a screen print press, obviously, is uh, th- that's going to be easier if you have a background. Right. But you know what? If, if we have people who identify with our culture and identify with the direction that we're headed and like to be part of a hardworking team that doesn't work on Fridays because we really like our time off, then uh, should get in touch with us.
0: That's great. And I love that part of your culture doesn't work on Fridays. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast getting to know you.
1: Oh, thank you and so much for the invite and for what you're doing. Um, South Carolina is an awesome place to live and work. And I I hope that more people are starting businesses and seeing success with them.
0: All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always... This is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing, so speed up or move over.